It has been the talk for the past week. Damar Hamlin's recovery is nothing short of miraculous. Last Monday, the sporting world came to a standstill when Hamlin collapsed on the field. All of us have seen that image over and over again. The Bills safety suffered cardiac arrest after being tackled. And then Friday, the unthinkable happened. He started talking again and FaceTimed with his teammates. His breathing tube has been removed. And doctors have said that DeMar's neurologic function remains intact. Simply miraculous. Well, here's Bills head coach Sean McDermott talking about that video call to watch the reaction in the room with the players and the, and the, and the staff and the team. Um, they didn't know that we were going to do that and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that that was actually going to be able to happen with DeMar's medical schedule there. And um, to be able to, when I said that we had a treat in store, um, it was just, uh, you could see the look on their eye in anticipation of what was probably coming to, to see the player's reaction. Um, they stood up right away and, and, and clapped for him and, you know, yelled some things to him. And it was a pretty, pretty cool exchange for a few seconds there. Um, but he made uh, hand signals, hand gestures, right? Of he, the thing that <laughs> makes me laugh is, is he did this to the guys, you know, right away. And, um, he flexed, he flexed, uh, he flexed on them, I guess. And, uh, um, he's just got some staple things that they know him for and that he does. And he made the heart, the heart symbol probably more than anything. Um, and then he gave him a thumbs up. So, uh, and then somewhere in the midst of, of that, and it was a little bit hard to hear, but he, as you'd imagine, he said, uh, he said, I love you boys. And, uh, of course, I think I got the guys. So, to have been a fly on the wall in that room as everybody saw Demar on that screen. Well, still the hit and claps have many wondering again about how safe football is. VJ Settler is an expert in sport marketing and sport business and teaches at York University. Thanks for joining us today, VJ. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for having me on. So the NFL played its first games since Hamlin's collapse yesterday, last night, Saturday. Let's listen to how the league handled things yesterday and get your take on what what it means moving forward. Both teams coming together in prayer before this game starts. It's just an unbelievable deal for both teams to get together and pray and thank God for what's happened this week. BJ, I'm sure that you were watching. I was watching Goosebumps as I saw, you know, the teams come together at the center of the field to pray together for DeMar. How does the NFL move forward with so much on them, so many people watching how they handle this whole scenario? Well, I think the NFL has done a, a great job so far of uh, of doing the right thing. Uh, in the past, the, the league has been accused of, of sometimes uh, not acting in the right way when incidents come up, whether it was players getting involved with domestic abuse uh, situations or or whether it's uh, the handling of concussions and the follow from that. But in this case, I think the, NH- the NFL has done a great job of not only doing the, the, the right thing by the players, but also by by taking a, a big stand on the importance of, of dealing with, with health issues in general. Uh, prior to every game, there's a, a meeting that takes place an hour before each game that basically runs that involves key medical personnel 
And it basically goes through all the roles and responsibilities that these personnel have to engage in in case of an incident. And that meeting is actually credited with being what helped uh, Hamlin uh, stay alive. So the fact that the NFL is, has these protocols in place is great. And going forward, just the fact that they're letting teams honor Hamlin uh, in their own way and making time for that just shows that they care about the players more so now than they ever have before. Talk to me about that meeting that happens before. Is that something new that was has been instituted? No, that's something that's uh, that's been in place. And it happens uh, in the bowels of the stadium behind the scenes out of view. So this is a meeting that involves key medical personnel. So, for example, officials with with the ambulance, uh, team doctors on both sides, uh, emergency services personnel. So what it basically ha- what basically happens in that meeting is, for example, uh, a person that's in charge of bringing the defibrillator up on the field. That person uh, knows what to do and, and when, where to get it, uh, where the ambulance is stationed in the stadium. There's always an ambulance at every game. Uh, in the stadium. So all of this meeting basically designates what the responsibilities are for key personnel, who does what and who does it when. And that meeting basically uh, happens every game all the time. Wow. And, you know, CPR is attributed for, you know, potentially saving DeMar's life. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't the first time, as you alluded to, uh, VJ, it isn't the first time that the NFL has been under fire for injuries on the field. You know, I think back at, uh, to a Tugavaloa um, of the <laughs> Miami Dolphins on September 25th and what happened there. You know, concussion protocol, he had a concussion. Some people feel he came back too early, um, had another mm-hmm. concussion as well. Does there need to be more of a conversation about safety in the league? I wouldn't say so much about safety, but more so about, I guess you could say the the ethos uh, and the and the code, uh, the unwritten code, if you want to call it that, that exists in sports, and that exists in in every sport. So, for example, in hockey, if uh, if a player celebrates overtly, then next time he's on the ice, he's probably going to get uh, smashed into the boards. Mm. Uh, whereas, like in basketball, if a player celebrates overtly, it's just a part of the game; it's a part of the entertainment spectacle. So, I think in the NFL, I think uh, there needs to be a uh, revisiting of what this code is and in the nfl it's basically this notion of next man up so if a player goes down okay well take him off the field as quickly as possible next guy comes in it's almost like they're going to war so there's no time to worry about the health of a particular player that you just need to to get on the field and because you're a part of a team and and get results so i think that needs to be uh revisited and, and looked at to see okay well how can we crack this code so to speak and and focus more on on ensuring that players are safe uh, and and less so on uh, just dismissing injuries and 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 chalking it up to just being in in a battle. So I think the code needs to be looked at more than the the safety because I think the league's doing all it, it can. And as a result, and and on top of that, the NA, the NFL and football is an inherently violent game anyway. Yeah. So there's not much you can do about removing that part of it. Do you think part of breaking that code was the fact that they canceled the game? I think that's a part of it, definitely. Uh, and I think that itself was a was a was a wake-up call and and something to to notice because i believe there was an incident in 1971 uh in an nfl game where a player actually died uh and the game kept going uh it's oh, not uh wow. it, it's a far cry, it's a far cry from uh uh from 1971 uh but it just shows you how how far the league has come it may have probably taken a few decades but uh uh this incident is definitely different from what happened in that game in 1971. do you think viewership will be impacted. I mean, I just feel like more people are, are going to be watching the NFL to see, again, how they handle this in the days and weeks to come. But 
Uh, do you think in the long term viewership could be impacted by this? I don't believe so, because there are other factors that keep the viewership high. So aside from just there being a profound interest in the sport of football, it's the number one sport in terms of viewership uh, in the United States. When you have things like betting and sports betting specifically uh, driving interest in the game, as long as people have some kind of a vested interest or a vested stake in the outcome of games, people will want to tune in to see what happens with their money. It's almost like when you invest in a mutual fund or in the stock market, you monitor that uh, those uh, updates on a on a quarterly basis to see how your stock is doing. But in this way, you have money on the outcome of the game that happens every every week. So people will tune in just to see how how their team is doing, just from a betting standpoint. On on top of being a fan of a specific team. So as long as there's there is an interest in the sport and a vested interest in the outcome of games, there'll always be people watching. I don't think it's going to take. Uh, I don't think something like this is going to result in people turning away from the game. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to return with more. We're talking about Demar Hamlin, the recovery around that, and where does the NFL go moving forward when it comes to the safety around the sport? We're speaking with VJ Settler. He is an expert in sport marketing and sport business and teaches at York University. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We are joined by VJ Settler. He is an expert in sports marketing and sport business and teaches at York University. Vijay, what do you think the impact will be when it comes to sponsorship? I know this has been an ongoing conversation with, again, all of the controversies the NFL has had to deal with from, you know, the racism situation to the concussions to everything. Do you think sponsorship will be impacted by this? Uh, I don't believe so. And, and the reason I say that is because sponsors care about how leagues and other uh, entities that they that they align with whether it be even a player or an even event how they handle situations if they don't handle situations effectively then that's where the the issue really really lies so for example when the nfl wasn't uh, very quick to act on uh, some players uh, committing uh, abuses when it comes to domestic violence that's when brands like procter and gamble uh, issued an announcement uh, basically saying to the nfl that if you don't uh, clean this up and address this properly uh, decisively and quickly, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to walk away, and that's mostly because of how the NFL handled the situation, not because of so much the situation uh, itself. Because situations like that arise, unfortunately. But in this particular case, the NFL and football, specifically as a sport, is is inherently violent. Uh, it's a very physical, uh, rough game that could lead to really bad injuries, and it's not so much that that sponsors are 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 uh, wary of it's more so how the league handles these situations whether it be this or any other kind of negative type of situation if the league doesn't act decisively then it doesn't reflect well on the league and then by virtue of the brand's association with the league it doesn't then reflect well on the brand so they want their partners in this case leagues and and events and and teams to do things the right way because a lot of these brands have spent millions of dollars in building their brand and they want to leverage the positive feelings around a league or a team or an event, not not negative feelings because of how poorly they handle the situation. And with that being said, said Vijay, I think all eyes will be watching how the league handles DeMar's potential return. You know, you know, a lot of comments have, have been circling around, um, you know, does he return? When does he return? Um, and, and just the worry, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he obviously mm -hmm. had a, a heart condition 
And so I think all of us will, if he does return, will be watching with bated breath to see what happens next. Um, do you think that will be scrutinized a little, how, how the league handles handles that? And should he, the question is, should he return with you know, the, the, the fear of this happening again? Yeah, I'd like to think that's a, a personal decision. Uh, it's if the team, the Buffalo Bills in this case, were quick to bring him back yeah. uh, without uh, really examining whether he's a, a fit to play, then that could be could be faulted for sure. But I think they're they're going to handle the situation very delicately and and let the player decide uh, whether he or she, well, in this case, he uh, would be uh, would be fit to play. And and I think that's a that's a change where I think in the past there'd be a lot of peer pressure either from coaches or from players to get right back out on the battlefield, so to speak, and 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 help uh, help the team win. And in this case, I think they're going to handle it carefully because the last thing you want to do is rush a player back and then something happen again, which could which could actually be fatal. And then that would be we wouldn't hear the end of it at, at that point. So I think they're making it a decision that's completely up to the player. Uh, they're not going to pressure him, and uh, when he feels he's ready to play, he'll play. But also another thing too with that is that it's not entirely the player's decision. It's also up to the team medical personnel and staff to to test him, to make sure that he's 100% ready to play. Because aside from his own health, uh, if he's not completely fit to play, then he almost becomes a liability on the field to his team. Yeah. So that's another thing too. And that's why when if a player has a broken leg or some other serious injury, as much as they want to maybe put a cast on and and go out and play, you know, if if they're not able to run quickly or able to maneuver effectively, then then they become a liability, whether it's on offense or defense. So uh, it's a case of of letting him decide when he's fit to play, and also getting uh, advice and feedback from the team's medical staff uh, before they do anything. And, and you're right. I mean, that is a change because you know, that's something the NFL has had a lot of heat for and gotten a lot of heat mm -hmm. for when it came to the Tua situation and the concussion conversations about um, how quickly are uh, players being forced to get back on the field. We've seen that in basketball as well. Um, Vijay, how does this impact, you think, college football as well? You know, my husband watches a lot of college football. And mm -hmm. you see, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of young kids out there. I mean, we've heard of cases of aneurysms and things like that on the field as well. Does there need to be more of a stringent look at, at the health of these young men as well uh, when they are, you know, entering into such a violent sport, as you've said? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And and just for context, for, for a lot of the listeners who may not uh, be familiar with the, the interest in college football or university football, uh, it's big business. Yeah. It's completely different from what we have here in, in Canada. Uh, you'd be lucky to even get a thousand people for a York Lions football <laughs> game, whereas University of Michigan, it's easy to get a hundred oh, plus thousand out. people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's it, it, exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference. And that's one of the key differences in, in sports culture between the United States and Canada. And literally the football and basketball programs of some of these universities bankroll and fund key academic departments like medicine, um, like law and education and so on. So for anyone to think that university sports or college football or college basketball is not important is is mistaken. So because those sports are big business, there's a lot of money that goes into uh, development of these programs to ensure that they draw the best recruits, that they uh, are able to put out the, the best product, they have the best facilities to, to bring in recruits and so on. So what happens then is that because these programs uh, are so important to the universities, uh, they have to recruit uh, players from from everywhere. So for a lot of players, 
being able to play college football or college basketball is a way out of a disadvantaged situation. So because of that, the players know the risks that are involved in playing football. It's just that the money is too good eventually if they make it to professional football, but to have a free ride scholarship at a, at a college, whereas otherwise it'd be in the tens of thousands of dollars per year, uh, that's too good to pass up. So it's almost as though you're getting into into a battle where you could have a serious injury, but it's kind of worth it because of the the cost savings. So that's what a lot of players know what when they're getting into this. It's just that um, it, it's just it's just a price of, uh, of of business. But I wonder about the underlying health issues. Like you know, we don't know. I mean, we're not Demar's doctors. We're not in those rooms. But there had to have been some underlying health issues. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, when we're talking about college football, and these mm-hmm. are you know. Uh, the, these might be the future, are, are some of the future NFL players. Does there need to be some more stringent look at, um, you know, just the health of these young people, making sure that they can really, it's, it's different from just a bump and a, you know, on a bruise and a broken leg. This is like underlying health issues that maybe they need to look into. Oh, definitely. But I'd like to think because of the the size and the, and the strength of these college football programs at, at some of the larger universities, they have the medical staff in place that would do the tests and and do the physicals and, and so on. It's not like playing you know, grassroots football where you don't have t- uh, team doctors and right. and so on. So I, I think, for example, if you look at like a University of Michigan or Notre Dame or Alabama or Texas or any of these uh, universities with, with really large football programs, they probably have extensive medical staff that that examine players and do all the physicals. They almost act as though they're probably professional teams. Uh, in that sense, just because of how important football is uh, to those to those universities. So I'd like to think that if there is a player with an underlying health issue, that that would be discovered by the team's medical staff, because the last thing they want to do is uh, put a player in a bad situation where they could suffer a serious injury. And then that brings disrepute onto onto the university and its, and its athletics program. So um, definitely there could be players with underlying issues. It's up to the medical staff of these uh, of these university athletic departments to to find it. Yeah, and obviously this wasn't found in tomorrow. And again, we don't know all of the circumstance behind this and hopefully he will be fine. Are you amazed, Vijay? We just have a a minute left. Amazed at just how, you know, the community, the NFL, people have just rallied around this guy. I mean, the GoFundMe page is now $8.3 million. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. No, definitely. Definitely. I I think um, his youth, the fact that he's just starting out his career, uh, that plays into it as well, because uh, and also his his background story, his upbringing, you know, coming from uh, from modest uh, from a modest lifestyle to doing something, uh, being trying to help the community to uh, just uh, just being an overall good person. And, and you root for good people and that those factors combined with just the seriousness, seriousness of the injury uh, has led uh, a lot of people to. Uh, to take the approach that they've that they've had, and it's 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 great to see that, and and also at the same time, I mean, a lot of people realize that there's a lot of money in the NFL. It's the it's the king of leagues, as I as I call it, because it generates the most revenue per year, and anything that helps preserve the the sanctity of that is is going to be put first and foremost. So there's business decisions behind everything that goes on, mm-hmm. uh, but also at the same time that the health of the the player seems to be a greater focus. Of the NFL these days and has been in the past. Super helpful. Thanks so much, VJ, for your time today. Thanks a lot. It was my pleasure.
That was Vijay Settler. He is an expert in sport marketing and sport business and teaches at York University. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. <laughs>